We have a lot to talk about today, Carl, and so we're going to have a veritable feast because one of our favorite guests, Peter Carlos, is back. We'll talk to our guest, Peter Carlos, from Lindenwood, coming up next immediately. Then we'll talk about the protege around minute two, and then reminiscence around minute 11, then Beckett at minute 17, Sweet Girl at minute 22. We'll talk about CSI Vegas around minute 24, and then nine to five, Story of a Movement around minute 28, Annette around minute 35, Flag Day around minute 38, Video on Demand and TV, including American Horror Story, double feature around minute 40. Around minute 47, we will have our our theater roundup including seven brides for seven brothers on your feet and the tennessee williams festival are you back in school peter uh monday monday we start we've been, we had meetings this week and uh we're supposed to be on ground so we'll see you know who knows with this variant i don't know but uh, i'm excited to be back in back in the classroom yeah i'm excited to talk to you because last time we spoke I was in a storm and only got to talk to you for five minutes. And hi, how are you? Uh, I'm great. And I've been to Florida and back twice. Wow. And uh, watching Reminiscent, I, uh, you know, I was on the intercoastal. Oh, okay. One of those weeks. So it was kind of interesting to, to watch the movie and see how they pulled that off. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to move to Florida at one time and retire, but they have storms and they have uh, serial Hurricanes. killers and water and I don't know. So and, I don't. And, I, and Florida man, the, the high, one of the highest rates of COVID in the United States. I, I know. I went from Missouri to Florida and back and back to Florida. And, and you know, they're in the news. We're in the news. We're like number one or two in the country. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Moving on as we all wear masks again everywhere. And I have uh, I'm fine by me, you know? Yeah, I don't so, mind. Yeah, we're back in the movie theater and wearing them. And uh, all the theater I was at this week, we wore it. And, you know, you go into businesses and they have signs. So you follow what the business wants you to do. Oh. So that's it. Carl and I were in the same movie theater on Tuesday evening, but no other time this week. So, Carl, no. do we want to start with that film that we both saw on the big screen? Um, well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's because, you know, it's not very good, uh, but it's it's by a great director. That's the thing that was so upsetting. We're talking about the protege. Oh, yeah, yeah. Starring Maggie Q, Michael Keaton, and Samuel L. Jackson. I said, well, I guess Samuel L. Jackson and Michael Keaton will not be in the movie very much. I was wrong. They're in the movie more than I thought it would be. But this is Maggie Q's movie. And it was originally supposed to be called The Asset, which actually makes a better name for the film other than The Protégé. Because it's really not about her being a protégé. Right. She plays and she's very good as the uh, action star. She's a gifted performer. She's cool and calm on screen and she handles all the chaos. Well, my issue with this, because if you look at the timing, it is a mid-August throwaway that is, will be ultimately forgettable, has some interesting personalities but if you start thinking about it it just goes all the 
Well, it was supposed to, it, it was, you know, finished a year ago. So it's been sitting, they didn't know when to release it. They, they're lucky to release it now. Right. And it does have its charm, but I know my Alliance of Women Film Journalist colleagues uh, would uh, take issue with the age gap between Michael Keaton and Maggie Q. And when did Michael Keaton become an action star? Does Batman count? I don't know. Uh, yes. Batman yeah. definitely counts. Absolutely. And, and he's thinking about doing it again, I heard. So... That would be interesting. Well, the, I mentioned the director, but didn't mention his name. It's Martin Campbell, who directed uh, Mask of Zorro. He did GoldenEye, and he did Casino Royale. So he knows how right, to yeah. do an action film. And right, but but he also did Green Lantern. I and you know what? To point that out. I don't hate Green Lantern. Max and I have this discussion all the time. How the second Green, if they would have made a sequel to Green Lantern, it would have been fantastic because everything was leading up to a certain point and they got to that point at the very end and i thought if they made a sequel to that the second green lantern film would have been epic and therefore i don't hate green lantern as much as everyone else does okay well the action <laughs> he does know how to stage an action scene i will give him that and but it's, 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 it's it, this is a this is an this is a fine movie. It's it's not it's not horrible. It's not great. It's just it's one of those fine. It's a whole bunch of empty calories. Right. Well, the uh, first 10 minutes we're in Vietnam, then we're in Romania and then we are in London. So it's whiplash because we're just going around. And there's I think this movie has too many characters. Too ridiculous of so many of them have nine lives. Yeah. And it just gets to a point where you're like, well, what these are loose ends here. The story we haven't even talked about that. The story is a young girl in Vietnam is rescued by Samuel L. Jackson, who I assume is a mercenary, but he's a hired killer. She becomes this lethal assassin. They are hired to find people who can't be found. Right. It's, and, it's it's kind of like the professional, but not like that, because you don't get to see him training her at all. All of a sudden, she's just she's older. just as good as he is. Yeah. And then Robert Patrick is the head of a biker gang in Vietnam. So that doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. And then it's just and you're like, what? What are they here for? And so she returns to Vietnam, although she didn't want to because of this case that has gone that it's very mysterious and it is too involved and the two evil guys look alike and <laughs> then we have this story about the sun which is really out there and uh and they don't ever explain this well and uh, michael keaton is hired for the other side and his job is to stop samuel l jackson and maggie q and that's where we are mm, is it though is it supposed to is he supposed to stop them or is he just, he's also a mercenary. He's working for money as well. Right. I think well, I don't, I don't, I, it, everything's a very many shades of gray in this movie. Nothing is black and white. Right. And you don't know why uh, Samuel L. Jackson is on the hunt for this person. Uh, they don't seem to be paid for this. Yes, they, they do. They, they actually explain why, but it's just, it's, and it's, it's actually a noble reason why, 
But the reason, and we can't say it here because there are so many twists and turns and it's hard to follow, which it shouldn't, a stupid action film like this should be stupid action film. And it is trying harder to be smart. And I don't think that's what this movie needed. No, the uh, screenwriter is Richard Wank, and he did the Equalizer reboot with Denzel Washington in 2014, and then the sequel that was four years later. So he knows how to write an action movie, too. So I don't know. I just think it's it's lackluster, and although some people really love it, I just thought it was <laughs> not worthy of paying whatever you need to pay to get in, the, in theaters. Well, I... I- our buddy Dan, who loves action films, said it was a nice, tight action film. And it is. It's less than two. It's like one forty five. I didn't I didn't think it was too long. Uh, the ending is ambiguous for several reasons. Sure. And if they were ever going to make a sequel, they can. But they they don't have to. But if this does well, I, you could see the protege, uh, the protege again. Or I don't, there are there are some people that definitely do die. No, no matter what this movie tries to tell you that there are characters that actually do die in this movie, which is fine because you know what? Some people only signed on for one movie, but Maggie Q, who I actually liked in last year's fantasy Island, she was very, she was very having a good time with that movie. And she's so. in TV, the TV show, or she was in Nikita. Mm-hmm. So she she fits it. This movie is very violent and very bloody and brutal. And there is a scene towards the end that's a flashback that is totally unnecessary and very gratuitous and involves a beheading that is just really gross and re- and looks fake too. So, but but that's how she be. That's how Anna became Anna. So whatever. Yeah, but the, the movie was supposed to be called Anna. Then it was the asset. And now it's the protege and the sequel will be called something even dumber. Well, just generic. So um, I saw some films this week that we will have to talk about next week, which you did too. But, I did too. Uh, so neither you, went, us- you saw Paw Patrol? No. no, no Paw Patrol is actually, uh, I was hoping when David gets here, because he has three young children, I bet he knows all about Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is only on Paramount Plus. And you know my stance about signing up for another streaming service. Uh, so I'm not, although my nephew loves, or my great nephew, Enzo, loves Paw Patrol. And so do the millions of kids in America. Peter, do you have any? Uh, I have grandchildren, but I don't know if they've seen it. I'm, I'm sure they, they have, and I'm sure they like it. Uh, you know, so I'll, I'll ask them. Well, what, you know, what they think about it. Speaking, speaking of movies that are just on uh, streaming services, Peter saw *Reminiscence*, which is the new Hugh Jackman film that's on HBO Max, and also in theaters from Warner Brothers. So, how is that, Peter? Well, you know, the, the problem is that it really doesn't have its own fingerprints. Uh, it's reminiscent of Strange Days. Uh, it's reminiscent of, you know, of Chinatown. Um, and there's a great short. It's about time travel. And, oh, uh, no. It's a time travel movie and um so i saw there's a great short by chris marker do you know 
the French uh, director who did this whole short with stills and there's one move, moving image and uh, 12 Monkeys was based on that. Okay. That one short. Uh, and so there's Chinatown, you know, there's the land baron in there uh, in the movie, but it's Miami underwater in the future. And I just got back from the intercoastal and saw Miami from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to like it. Uh, it just that the dialogue was just every piece of dialogue was like teaching me something or telling me something, or I've heard it in the past with the past and water are very important in this, this film. And I wanted to like Hugh Jackman, but it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I understand that this movie was directed by someone Lisa, who Lisa joy, right. Who had something to do with West. Was it Westworld? She, yeah, yeah she, she co-created Westworld with Christopher Nolan for HBO, and she's the showrunner. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks great. Uh, well, she, some... she also did Pushing J- Daisies, which was one of my favorite shows. When it oh, was absolutely. On. Yeah, no, no. I really like that, too. Um, I don't know. I, I like Strange Days. I thought that it did a better job of this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson's in it. Yep. She Tandy plays Newton. A, yeah, yeah, she, she, she Newton. plays. Um, it doesn't Rebecca Ferguson play the mystery woman. It's like a is it like a neo-noir or is yes, it like absolutely. more like wa- water world? Uh, it's a combination of the two. Um, it's uh, she's a femme fatale. You know, it has all the tropes. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, she's good, but the songs she sings, she. It's a musical. You know, uh, no. And yes, I mean, the songs she sings are so <laughs> spot on that it's like it's hit me over the head. OK. All right. I get it. Uh, you know, every time she sings, it's it means something to someone and usually to Hugh Jackman. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's an interesting movie. There's an action seeing that in the middle that's interesting and and whatever but it's like i've seen this before uh i've seen it before and i'm not i think that it would appeal more to a female audience and i hate to say that but i i really do um why is hugh shirtless part of the time then oh yeah well he gets into yeah he gets into this tank that takes him back and he has to take his shirt off you know because <laughs> shirts so. don't travel through time no, no I, I, yeah hugh for, is a fine pants, specimen is pants a, do but shirts no no no, no uh, that, he, yeah hugh is a fine specimen of a male so I'm, i like I'm him always yeah i'm he's always interesting but sometimes the projects aren't as uh, you know as up to uh what you think and with the pedigree with this lisa joy you would think it would be more interesting now i hear it's he's an investigator of the mind and they they go into this tank this this uh is it sensory depriving tank and they because the world is such a crap show that everybody wants to remember their happy times right so this conjures up memories so it was supposed to be released in April, and then they moved it to September. But then uh, Shang-Chi 
said, no, you're moving to August. Yeah, I, I you know, I just said uh, so many of these lines. I mean, I, I think they wanted to be like Casablanca, you know, where we remember all these great lines and all endings are sad. Tell me a happy story. And, uh, you know, we have to let go of the past, but everybody's going back to the past. Well, um, yeah. Richard so. Roper, Richard Roper said it's Maltese Falcon meets an exception with Vanilla Sky and Chinatown mixed in. There he is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it has that look. Yeah, I mean, there is one shot that's taken directly out of Inception. It's everything that you saw there is in this shot. So I never felt that it had a, its own pedigree, its own uh, identity. Anything uh, original? I, I and I I wanted to like and I like things about it, but I think they just tried too hard. I mean, they they put every they, they threw everything in there, all these references to different movies, and I think other people might have done it better. So okay, well right. I'm I'm planning to watch it on the weekend, but that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know about it. I. I I like Hugh Jackman, and and uh, he. I was, like Rebecca was, Ferguson. I like her too, but she's playing, you know, she's playing something that that doesn't have any kind of uh, really substance to me, and that's part of it. That, that I can't tell you All about right. that part, but yeah, she's not not playing someone that you can really touch and feel, which Hugh does get to touch and feel. You know. Well, speaking of tropes and watching the same old, same old, I spent time this week watching two streaming movies. Uh, one is Beckett that is on Netflix and getting it's in the top 10 viewership. You know how Netflix gives you their top 10. Yes. And uh, and then I also watched sweet girl with jason momoa so i'm going to talk about those briefly because they're on netflix and they'll get a lot of play i am not sure still if john david washington is a leading action hero and romantic lead i'm none i'm not sold uh i'm sure he has a fine purpose and he was great in black klansman yes but since then tenet and Malcolm and Marie, I don't know. I think they're pushing him too hard to be this leading man. And I don't think so. Well, Beckett is about an American tourist who is the, in the wrong place and the wrong time. And the entire nearly two hours is him being chased by shady figures, crooked cops, crooked American embassy people, Boyd Hallbrook. Of course, when you see him, you know he's going to be a villain. And uh, Alicia Vikander has come out of her maternity leave <laughs> to do this movie, which is just a sad waste of her talents because as we have talked about this before, she does elevate every movie she's in, but not this so she plays john david washington's girlfriend so john david washington is bruised and battered and pummeled through this whole movie he's beaten up stabbed bloody uh running running all for two freaking hours running 
and Vicky Creeps, of all people, from old and uh, from Phantom Thread, shows up as this kind a Greek resident who helps him. So I don't know. It just, I just, I'm, I maybe I'm cranky because I'm tired of movies wasting my time. You don't really care what happens. If, first of all, they don't set it up where you care. Right. Who he is, and you don't know who he is and you don't know why they're chasing him and you have a vague idea, but it's nowhere near that thriller Z that was so big back in the early seventies. And remember when seventies movies had that, conspiracy theory vibe that we love so much like parallax view and the conversation blow up yeah medium medium cool yeah i thought this movie was going to be like a throwback to those kind of 70s thrillers no no so i don't even know why this was made i think it was supposed (laughs) to be a theatrical release and then netflix then they just put it on netflix well the original title was born to be murdered and it was going to be released in January. And then it had a, uh, it was in the festivals circuit in August. And then it came out last week. And nobody likes this movie. No, it's getting poor reviews all the way around. Including uh, Lynn. Okay. Oh, because Lynn, Lynn, did you write about this on your Rotten Tomatoes? Um, no, I have not. I have not done that yet because it's an older movie. So I didn't. But uh, they have this rule where, uh, like, for instance, Kent and I in the Webster Kirkwood Times, the way we write our reviews, if Kent and I saw it at the same time, we combine our reviews. Like You'll his do a take, count, point counterpoint. Right. Like, that's what we do. And that's why they like it. They like a male and a female arguing about movies. And because uh, he liked the protege much better than me. So I can't use that review. Ah, he's not on it because he's not on it. So I wrote it for my website and I have to unload it, but I have questions for the, for the women that had, you know, wrote me and said, if you have any questions, so I will be writing that up, but I think the older movies, I'm just going to let slide. I'm just going to be putting the new releases up. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I know it's not getting much now. Sweet girl started yesterday on Netflix Mm -hmm. started August 20th. And this is Jason Momoa as a loving family man who is pushed to the brink because the love of his life, his wife, Amanda, has died of cancer when she could have been saved by this wonder drug, but the evil pharmaceutical company withheld it for some nefarious reason. And Justin Bartha plays the head of the pharmaceutical company. And uh, Jason Momoa's daughter is played by the wonderful uh, Isabella Merced, who was Dora in the live action Mm -hmm. Dora, and who's also the voice in uh, Spirit Untamed. So she is the daughter grieving over her mother and then living with her dad. And, you know, Jason Momoa, he is this big hulking beast of an action star. Right. That's all I see when I look at him. I look, I see a weightlifter. I see, you know, a big rock. Or, or you something. see a former Baywatch hunk. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think he's stuck in that. I mean, he, you know, when you try to step out of that, and and Arnold tried to do that, and 
and some comedies and, and Sylvester Stallone, you know, you're, you're typecast and I just, sometimes you just have to live with that and go with that. Um, so, so you didn't yeah. like it. No, no. It's so generic. It's, yeah. It sounds it's, like it. It's just like, this is a waste of my time. I actually, I'm not going to write it up because I stopped it midway through. Cause I was like, this is a way <laughs> I was like, this is but a waste. You went back and finished it. No, not yet. Oh, wow. Cause it just started yesterday. Okay. So, so you're, re you're reviewing a film you haven't seen all the way through. No. And I admit it. So that's okay. why I'm not right now, but I just, for the half of it, I was like, Oh my God. It was so like, good. You couldn't start, start watching it again. It's like an episode of law and order. And speaking of, this is really off the track, but I'm really excited because William Peterson is coming back to see. Oh, absolutely. October 6th. I got it written down. I mean, yeah. that is just to me. Awesome. Yeah, Are they going to uh, mention Ted Danson then? Oh yeah. He was in that. Was that the Vegas? Yeah. He was after William Peterson left. Ted Danson took over. It took over for a while. Yeah. Like the but, last two or three years, maybe. But but William Peterson is the OG. And right. he now had, I just saw a promo for it. He has white hair now. And I'm I'm just so excited about watching that because it was so good. It was so original when it first came on. I was sad when they, they went off the air. Um, I, I just didn't think the the other ones that dropped off of, of it was as good as that. So yes, I'm excited too. Yeah, I did enjoy it. And I would never, um, I mean, I would never think this, but I, I used to catch the reruns of CSI Miami and I enjoyed that one. I did I like liked, some of that. Yeah. I watched all of them. I saw, I saw every yeah. single CSI. This is technically this, this one's uh, CSI Vegas, even though the first one was just called CSI crime scene investigation. And, uh, uh, Sarah Seidel's going to be back. Uh, Wallace Langham's going to be Hodges and Jim yeah. Brass. Paul Guilfoyle is going to be back too. So Georgia Fox is going to be back. And so, yes, yes. because that's, that's great because they, you can't have one without the other, even though they tried to have uh, Sarah Seidel, Georgia Fox in it without uh, William Peterson as yeah. Gil Grissom. And it, it, it was, it was just weird when one of them was there and the other one wasn't. Uh, and I don't think Marge, What's her name? Hel Mark Helberger. Helberger. I don't think she's going to be back, which and, is a unless, shame. Unless we don't know something. Yes. Right. <laughs> but I look forward to that. And to me, that is great TV. And these movies are just pale in comparison when everybody, you know, procedurals became once Law and Order did its thing. And then CSI procedurals are a big thing. But there's something to be said for quality television. Uh, William Peterson is a member of the Steppenwolf Theater Company repertoire in Chicago. And I am really excited about this. I sent this to Carl and our friend Max this week. They are offering three virtual plays by Tracy Letts mm -hmm. for $20. And I signed up the other day. I am and Tracy Letts is actually going to star in one of them. Right. And so is William Peterson. Yes. And people forget that William Peterson was in Manhunter. Back in the day. The sure. first Hannibal Lecter. And there were so, scenes shot in St. Louis over the old St. Charles Bridge. 
in that movie. Oh, That's wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine who was sound, Eric Nelson, worked on it and told me, he said, look for this. He says, you know, uh, and it was in there, so. Well, that's very cool. So anyway, if you're a theater buff, if you're a William Peterson fan, I highly recommend it. $20 for three Tracy Let's Plays. I'm excited because, you know, I did go to college with the founders of Steppenwolf Theater Company. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll move on to uh, there isn't any other movies, Carl, right? No, because we can't talk about anything that's coming up because we're embargoed about uh Sean Chi, and I, you'll, when you see it, you'll know why. We're embargoed about Flag Day. We're embargoed about Together. And uh, we can talk about 9 to 5 now being on Netflix. I'm excited. Peter, this is a documentary that was in the St. Louis Film Festival last year. And Carl and I were on the jury panel to select, we call them, as St. Louis Film Critics calls them the Joe Awards. We give out annually uh, the Joe Pollock Award for Narrative and the Joe Williams Award for Documentary. And they are named after our late, great, beloved uh, film critics for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch who have passed on. And uh, we decided we would name the awards after them. So we awarded Nine to Five, The Story of a Movement by Stephen Bogner and Julia Reichert Oscar winners for American Factory two years ago uh, that we would give the, this documentary the Joe Williams Award and it did not open in St. Louis, but now it has a new life on Netflix. Wow. Yes. And, and what's and it about? I don't I don't know. Well, it's not it's about women's lib at the office and it's this okay. movement came came about before the movie did. So it was called nine to five. But then the movie came because uh, Jane Fonda went to see some of these women trying to get their rights. Uh, and she said, you know what, this would make a wonderful movie. So she got together with Lily Tomlin and Dolly Parton and they made the movie, the movie act. And was it Sally Jesse or Donahue that they were on? And they Donahue. Had which one came first? And they're like, oh, the movement came first, then the movie. So this is the, and nine to five is classic comedy from 1980, but this predates it by several years, almost a decade. Oh yeah. Well, it started in the seventies and it was two uh, women who went to college together, Ellen Cassidy and Karen Nussbaum. And they both were clerical workers at Harvard and they started organizing and they were from families who were very much revolution in the 60s. And I just want to point out that I stand on the shoulders of giants because in although granted, I have been in newsrooms most of my life, I was never called sweetie or honey or girl or asked to fetch coffee. Unlike the clerical workers in America in the 70s. And we have uh, talking heads who describe the workplace back then, and they show clips of Mad Men, which mm -hmm. is a great example of the culture of the time in the workplace. And then it shows the advancements of the women organizing. It started in Boston, but Cleveland was a big part of it, and Atlanta and different cities. So these women talk about their experiences 
of basically of getting rights in the workplace. We still don't have equal pay, which is a major thing. And at the end, they show you the stats of uh, what women are paid for men, but also they break down in terms of ethnicities, like what African-American women, what Asian-American women make to the dollar for guys. But that's a whole other movie. But this movie has such great archival footage and really hammers home how this movement got together. Uh, these women just decided that we're not going to take it anymore in the workplace. You know, the sexual harassment, the, uh, the casual uh, sexism, sexism, and also the lack of respect when women were doing so much of the work and not getting any credit not getting any rewards. So it's a fascinating glimpse in the history. And my mom rejoined the workforce in the 60s. And it very much reminds me of my mother, of what the workplace was like then as and what it is now. And as we saw with the Jeopardy host that's just been dethroned, we still have these issues today. Yes. And it, the movie, the reason I voted for it to be best documentary, there were fantastic documentaries in the showcase, but this one was the bestly produced, best produced. It was very well done. It looked like an actual movie. Some of them tell great stories, but they're not necessarily, some of them were very clinical. This one is actually shaped like a movie because these are filmmakers that are doing this. And there were other great films that were my number two and number three. Um, one, one I, I want to show my family, but I can't show my family because it's just an odd subject <laughs> to talk about. Um, Lynn, you could bring that up. But it's this a movie, certain female body part in the reproductive system. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really good movie. Whole movie. That I can't share with anyone that I love because it's very uncomfortable to watch. Yet women should watch it. Just like this movie. But this one you can watch with your whole family. Uh, it was it was part of PBS's Independent Le Lens series. Right. So if you're familiar oh. with that, so you'll know that it's high quality. It's only 89 minutes, but it feels much fuller than that i'm not going to say it feels longer than that. it feels fuller than 89 minutes which is a heavy compliment for me because timing everyone's time is valuable right so i would spend 90 minutes watching this on netflix and the other stuff that's getting high praise but i was so happy to find it there i was like oh my god people can see it because as you know streaming services are having a major uh influence on what americans watch uh peter have you seen anything streaming that you want to mention is worth watching did you watch annette i've been trying to watch annette i really want to watch <laughs> it i haven't you know i've been preparing for school and and you know i i still make films so i'm trying to prepare for that so uh yeah earlier in the summer i had time but but not not right now i really want to see annette because i it just this director, you know, is so strange and does just surprising stuff. And and for my students, you know, I say, surprise me. Don't give me the cliches, you know, with the hit man and the, 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 the whatever. Show me something that will just make me jump out of my chair. So I really want to see that. Have you the seen it? The first half, yes. Uh, it's now on Amazon Prime. So now I've every, got that. everyone can see it. 
that has Amazon Prime, if you have a Amazon Prime membership, you get Amazon Prime Video as a part of that. Right. It, Lynn, Lynn saw it for the theatrical review. I have seen it now for the Amazon Prime review, and it starts out really strong, gets weird, and it is a musical by the band, Spar the Brothers Sparks, uh, the With Sparks Brothers. Interesting group, yeah. Yes, and I the documentary is much more uh, complete and better than the movie Annette. So it starts out really strong. In fact, the first five minutes of it, you're like, I'm in. And then you're like, I'm out. And then you're like, ah, I could go with this. And then it just gets weird. And people, you, I guess we can talk about the puppet because it, everyone, everyone knows about the puppet. And so they have a baby. It's a puppet. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a marionette. It's a marionette. It's not a puppet. It's creepy. It, I don't care. And that's the, hence the title, Annette. That's the name of the child. Now, I like the focus on toxic masculinity because Adam Driver plays a husband who is known for his edgy humor, but he has created such hostility with his audience that he has fallen out of favor. Unlike his wife, played by the beautiful, illuminating, radiant Marianne Cotillard, who is oh, not yeah. in this movie enough. And she is a famous opera singer beloved around the world so we have issues so it's a really great vehicle for adam driver and well is it, is it really isn't he better in playing a different version of this character in marriage yes. story yes he is marriage because story it's, it's is almost the same there. guy i yeah, hear he's not likable though i no, well, he not, wasn't likable in marriage story yeah Another movie I won't watch with my wife because it'll give her ideas. Yes, uh, but I I heard that he's just so unlikable in Annette that it's hard to watch. It's very over the top. Yeah, it's it's very over the top, and I personally, um, uh, he's one of my favorites. Always interesting, but this mm -hmm. one is just a little too much. It's it's hard to watch a guy go into the dark abyss well it's hard to watch anybody go into a dark abyss so you know i just but yeah it's going to get a wider audience now that it's on amazon prime and i'm sure we're going to be asked what the hell did i just watch and <laughs> now, so Peter, i didn't mean to, i didn't mean to cut you off and steer you towards annette lynn asked you a question that i kind of uh overtook your answer which is I forgot. Which is what? What are you? What can you recommend to people that you've seen recently? I don't know. I really want to watch Flag Day. Because um, you like the Sean Penn and his daughter. Dylan uh, Penn looks so much like her like mother. mother. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I have made films with uh, my son, my younger son. And I went to Texas to show and I took my son down there and he was in three of the four films with Tom Murray. Um, ah. And, um, you know, working with working with your son or daughter is very difficult because his son is also in. Um, right. Black it's a minor. Yeah, it's a minor role, if I can say that. I don't know what I can say. Yeah. Well, you know what? It opened in New York and L.A. and other places uh, yesterday. So I don't know what I can say, but. It's um, it's coming out next. It's coming out on the twenty seventh. So right, yeah, it was a yeah. hit at con. It's it's. Uh, I think. I mean, I'm going to have a different take than other people do. But 
Yeah, g- giving notes to your son or daughter and trying to treat them like you treat the other actors on set is very is sometimes difficult. Especially uh, if you're the director. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is this is Sean Penn's sixth movie directing, but it's the first one that he's actually in. So he directed himself. himself. And and you can tell at times he is the indulgent father. Yeah. And uh he But he's take- playing her father in this too. So Right, right. Well, it's based on a book a called book, Flim Flam Man, um, daughter, and it's it's the the the, uh, the journalist daughter of a very high profile criminal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and uh, Norbert Leo Butts from St. Louis is in it as well. Yeah. But we can't we can't say anything else no, about no. it because we're embargoed. No, right, no, that's no. Okay. but yeah, no, and he, oh, yeah, poor Leah uh, <laughs> Norbert. Okay, but anyway, um, a coming out already on video on demand, The Green Knight, David Lowry's new movie. Has uh, it been theater. forty-five days? No, and wow. uh, but they released it uh, August nineteenth. Snake Eyes was released this week, so that just shows Snake Eyes was a box office dud. Well, that's you the, didn't even get to Joe, see it. No, because the digital screen screening didn't happen while we sat there for a half hour, 45 minutes. But uh, that's the G.I. Joe origin story with Henry Golding. Yes. And so that's already on video on demand. Uh, what else is on? Video oh, Hitman's Hitman's wife's bodyguard, which no one should see. So there's really? a time, you know, traditionally this time of year, not much. Uh, really, well, you, you know what? That that does bring up a good point. That Ryan Reynolds is in one of the worst movies of the year and one of the better movies of the year. Free, uh, and Free Guy is fantastic. It's got I, everybody said, and it was recommended to me, to me the other day. They said it sounds corny, but it's it's a pretty good movie. It's really uh, sweet. Yeah. It's very entertaining and it's very fun. And for somebody like me who's not a gamer, to say that. You can follow it and you're fine with what's going on. And Taika Watiti is terrific as this over the everything. Top everything he does is just amazing, whether he's directing or acting or uh, what was the movie where he played Hitler? Jojo, uh, Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Oh, just won the stupendous. Oscar. Yeah, it was just stupendous movie yeah. Uh, yeah he's so funny he pl- he calls everybody bro in this and uh and then joe uh Keery from stranger things is a is a very pleasant hero and jody Com- was it comer 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 from uh she won the emmy for killing eve and uh i read an interview with the director of this who's Sean Levy, they were all surprised that Jodie Comer could sing, Comer could sing. So they kept that in there when she's singing the Mariah Carey earworm. And yeah. uh, they were pleasantly surprised. So it's a fun movie. It's totally unexpected. I was, I had such low expectations for this because the commercial, the train was on that. First of all, it, it had been, like the commercial had been this. out for nine months and everyone's like, and, the, and even Ryan Reynolds and Watiti made fun of that because they, when they did the Korg and Deadpool review the trailers, they said, I didn't think this was a real movie. I just thought it was a trailer. 
<laughs> so, you know, when, when they promote something so heavily, but Ryan Reynolds, even if he's in a bad movie, he's still very likable. Well, he's no, one of those he, guys, the very last line, the very last scene of the Hitman's wife's bodyguard is something that I wish that they would have done more in the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. The very last scene, it's dumb because uh, I, I don't even want to talk about it, but don't see it. Don't see the first. The first one's dumb. The second one's dumber. Yeah, I don't don't have any interest in seeing that. I, I'm looking for Ozark. I mean, I, I I'm waiting for Ozark to to pop up. The new up. season. Yeah, I, I'm just a big fan of that, and uh, you know, I've talked to the writer uh, that did the pilot. He lives here locally, and um, I just I like Bateman. I think he's just so wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. That's that's something that will come come up here soon. TBD. Uh, yeah. Well, um, uh, one of the uh, new documentaries that's showing up on HBO Max on August 22nd is Mr. Soul. And this goes into the archives of a 1960s show, which shows the emergence of Black artists like Bill Withers. And mm -hmm. it's very interesting. It was a TV program and uh, the host and everything. So I saw it last year. It's very informative and illuminating. So I highly recommend this doc documentary called Mr. Soul that starts on HBO. So really, if you think about it, the documentaries win over the tired, cliched fiction narratives this week. Uh, did you watch The White Lotus on HBO, Peter? No, I want to. So it's hard for me to to get into something to start. I know Mike uh, White. White. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's I like his work, um, and I, I want to watch it, but I I don't want to get hooked into anything right now. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely gonna watch that probably next week once I once school kicks in, then I can kind of figure out my schedule and and stuff. But have you seen it? No, I haven't. A friend of mine was on the fence about it when it started. And I thought, well, I don't have time for this. And, and then, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, I know it's, it's like, I've, you know, you got to prioritize and theater's back. And so I'm spending more time watching theater, which I'll get into. And then uh, I was like, no, nah, if, if she's on the fence about it, I'm not going to devote my time. However, I kept hearing good things about Jennifer yeah. Coolidge who we enjoy. And then uh, she said the other day that it actually wound up being satisfying and pretty good. And they're going to have a second season, but with all new people. So I don't even know what they're talking about, but apparently it got it. The ratings grew. Right. Word of mouth. And so that's a good thing. The American horror story, which I admit I quit in midway in the first season because it was too creepy and this was when i was living by myself and from and watching it at night and i just was like once they had dylan mcdermott in that leather suit thing and connie brent i was like i can't watch this anymore so i have not gone back but i like the the idea of a repertory that the performers keep coming back but they're all in different uh characters and this right. year's is called Double Feature, which I don't even know what that's about, but I would imagine uh, what world it is. However, Macaulay Culkin 
Oh, wow. Is going to be part of the cast. And that starts August 25th. And I think he's creepy looking. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. He just to me is, you know, he was cute as a, a kid, but when he grew up, he, he got creepy. So well, he, well, he has certainly had some hard knocks and his brother, Kieran has eclipsed him in talent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I saw Kieran on the stage uh, on the Broadway stage with Michael Cera uh, in this is our youth. And Kieran was fabulous. And hey, so speaking, now, speaking of the stage, did you finally see Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? I did. Did and you like it? No. <laughs> well, uh, then. Um, I think this a production. Well, they tried mightily to make this palatable and people love this show. However, I think given the current climate, it has outlived its shelf life. But that is me. Like there's a song that they took out called A Woman Ought to Know Her Place. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't yeah. do that. Today. Well, no, they took that out. Fine. But they brought in one of the because uh, the movie was 1954 and then they adapted it for the stage in 1982 on Broadway. But in 1978, they had a pre-Broadway tryout, which the Muni had so the muni had the one of the first productions of it in the u.s in 1978 and they've had it six times and people have great affection for the film but to me you cannot get around the source material which is the rape of the sabine women the roman legend and i don't know how you get uh, uh a get get a how you spin the kidnapping of the brides and so they try everything they can to make the women more empowered to give millie this song about she married seven brothers which is which is good and the people try really hard to sell this and of course it's a dance show so you're going to have the great dance numbers you have very athletic acrobatic performers and as a musical if you look at it it's typical golden age musical, but haven't we moved on from that? Shouldn't we retire things like this? Maybe just say, okay, send them off to somewhere in upper state New York and let them <laughs> play out. And yeah. kind of like carousel who does carousel anymore because that's just blatant domestic abuse. And so, and if you think about it, Oliver too, Nancy and Bill Sykes, well, you know, also, you know, Lynn, uh, you, normally you are quoted in their press releases and not this year no. or not this not this show. No. Yeah. And I knew I knew because um, if you want to read an honest review um, from a female perspective, I go into the whole thing. I make all these points about maybe it's time to move on, but I can see why people like it because some people were telling me I loved it. The nostalgia won out. But and it's a good, not, and it's good dancing. I'm sure. Right. So, I mean, they tried really hard. They tried updating this book, but it's like whiplash one minute, the women are empowered. And the next minute it's me, Tarzan, you Jane. So. But is I that just, played for laughs? 
Well, it doesn't matter because that it's that is now in the past. And tonight, Lynn and I are going to go see the Gloria Estefan story. Right. On your feet, which uh, shows a true partnership between a husband and a wife, Emilio and Gloria Estefan. Wasn't this at the Fox a couple of years ago? It was. And I had a horrible case of bronchitis and missed it. So I am very much looking forward to this tonight because it's fresh. It's new. Um, yeah, the know. music's uplifting and it's a likable character. Um, so, yeah. And where are you going to see it? At it's the at the Muni, Muni and it opens Start. tonight and okay. it will run through next week. And I'll be on KTRS Monday to talk to Jennifer and Wendy with my review around 11, uh, right after the news in the 11 a.m. hour. Well, I'll but- be on Mark Cox on uh, Monday morning at five o'clock in the morning. Maybe I'll talk about it then and then I'll scoop you. Yeah, you <laughs> will. You will scoop me. But I'm ready to do the conga because I think it's been a it's been a rather difficult summer and a very strange yes. summer. And why not just do, you know, just uh, get some Miami sound machine in our lives. It's fine with me. Speaking of theater, uh, local theater, the Tennessee Williams Festival. going to bring up that. Yeah. Opened on thursday and i was there last night and let me tell you the moon is a character the theme this year is the moon and beyond and uh they are spotlighting the glass menagerie but it is unlike any production you have ever seen because it takes place on location in in the backyard of where tennessee williams lived during his formative years yeah, I'm going to see it next week. Oh, you're going to love it. I, I was so entranced by this last night because, first of all, Brian Hofeld, we had we had uh, three of the cast members on last week, plus we had director Brian Hofeld, and he said he didn't look at it with a fresh pair of eyes, but this cast has made it, uh, you know, like sometimes when you see Glass Menagerie, it's very histrionic, and mm-hmm. it's very... Um, uh, dour and it's because it is Tennessee. It's Williams a depressing early, play early years, but under this cast, it's more multifaceted. It's more of the dreams and the hope of the characters. And they are such tight performers who get it, who get their characters. Uh, Bradley James Tejada plays Tom, who is based on it's semi-autobiographical of Tennessee Williams. And he's the dreamer who wants to be a writer. He can't break out. He's working at the shoe factory. He's miserable. And his fragile sister is played with remarkable poise and grace by Elizabeth Teeter, who is going to be huge star of stage i'm convinced because at such a young age she's just she disappears into this role and she just played liesel in sound of music at the muni Mm -hmm. so and jane banks on broadway right and uh she and and with helen mirren in the audience anyway i she's destined for great things but she is so she breaks your heart as laura the uh, the sister based on Tennessee Williams 
mentally unstable Rose, right. who eventually uh, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And he took care of her her whole life. Um, and she outlived him, by the way. But and then the the mom, Amanda Wingfield, is based on Tennessee Williams Southern Bell uh, mother, Edwina. And normally she is played so uh, crazily. But Brenda Curran, who is known for her Southern characters on the stage, she makes this woman very believable as what Amanda has turned into. She's very bitter about her husband leaving her, about her lot in life. She had these wonderful suitors in the South that didn't develop. And now she's stuck in this apartment in St. Louis trying to sell magazine subscriptions on the phone. And she wants more for her children who have notions of their own about success. Now, that's what I liked about this. They brought out how everybody has a different viewpoint of success. And you see Tom on the fire escape steps, looking at the moon, trying to figure out his how he's going to be achieve his dreams and it just was a more hopeful production than i'm used to seeing not that it doesn't have its pathos because it does but it's very minimal because it's on an outdoor stage in the backyard right in right right behind the building this apartment building is called the tennessee and it's at 4663 westminster place but not the palatial mansions of westminster place this is an apartment building but now it's a bed and breakfast and so the owner of the bed and breakfast allowed the tennessee williams festival to come in and do the show in the backyard and because she owns the whole building she told the rentals or whatever that, you know, this play was going on. So you feel there's some, there's something that you can feel something tangible about seeing it where it was imagined. Well, I think it was um, Hitchcock who said that the location can be another character like music. And it seems like this location is another character and really engages the audience and i'm excited i'm going to see it next week um but do you have to bring a chair or do they provide no no that it's it's fine you cannot bring anything in but a bottle of water however uh bowwood by niche which is right around the corner on olive has pre-show picnic lunch boxes by gerard Kraft with snacks and drinks and they have three special cocktails that bowwood named for the production so if you want to go do that you can do that at the restaurant but the thing but it was so pleasant last night oh yeah it was a nice night Mm -hmm. and the full moon cooperated i'm sure they timed this for the full moon but it it was the moonlight was beautiful and i just can't say enough about these actors they collaborated except for chauncey last year on the radio play and so they're reprising these characters and then chauncey comes in as the uh gentleman caller and i don't know if you're familiar with chauncey thomas but from the time i saw him on stage in the black reps production of the piano lesson august wilson play and then i saw him on, on a in 
uh, top dog underdog. I was like, this guy is great. And he lives in New York now, but he comes back to do things in St. Louis. And he did Shakespeare in Bloomington this summer. And so he's here for this. He is, he, his charm is so terrific as the gentleman caller, Jim. And this weekend they're doing the sequel. Right. By John Guare, which is you lied to me about Centralia. And that is at 2 PM today. I mean, 2 PM Saturday and 2 PM Sunday, but the, the production, the glass menagerie is Thursday through Sunday at 8 PM this weekend and next weekend. So if, and you can only get your tickets online, you can't get them at the door. So go to TWSTL.org to get them. But I highly recommend this because even if you, you think you've seen it, you haven't seen it. Right. Right. And, you know, applause for Carrie Hauck, who's just brought this festival into just, great things you know Mm -hmm. she's just really done some great things uh with this festival in tennessee williams who didn't like st louis i mean he 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 hated st louis uh and was glad to to leave um but in one of his interviews, he said he never left because, I mean, it shaped him, his writing. Oh, yeah, shape. yeah. You know, he moved here from Mississippi at age seven, and his father was an executive at the International Shoe Company and uh, pretty abusive and uh, uh, really uh, sad alcoholic that eventually, you know, so Tennessee had his demons, but he went to Mizzou and came back. The dad pulled him out. And he had a nervous breakdown and he lived at home. So he didn't leave until he went to study at the University of Iowa, where he got his B.A. And so he eventually left St. Louis and never came back. Right. And uh, went on to all the places that he lived his life. But uh, Elia Kazan or Elia Kazan, what do I say? Elia Kazan, who directed most of his famous stage work like the glass menagerie uh, uh premiered on broadway in 1944 followed by a streetcar in 47 and in the 50s and 60s tennessee williams had like 10 plays on broadway that we talk about to this day but back then uh elia kazan said what he um his plays are what uh, his plays are his life and his life is his place. Right. Right. I mean, in a true artist, you can't separate the art from the artist, you know? Um, and I, I guess you could say he was our St. Louis Shakespeare. I mean, you know, how, how wonderful of a writer he was uh, and tortured. Tortured, yes. of course. Oh, so yeah. tortured. You can't get away from his demons, but the prose, the poetry, when you hear it by this cast, and I can't say enough about these four people, when you hear the dialogue, you're really hearing it. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. I'm glad it's you you give it a great review. Have you seen it, Carl? I have not seen it because <laughs> this is weird. My daughter is now asking she's a senior in high school now so she's asking to see movies with her family that she has never seen like a couple of months ago we watched the breakfast club 
and we watched last night we watched bill and ted's excellent adventure and now tonight she wants to watch a bogus journey and then sunday we're going to watch face the music and you know what a senior in high school wanting to spend time with her parents we will do what she wants to do oh absolutely do it take it take it and she's such a great kid i saw her in the restroom of the warenberg the other night and you mean the marcus Yes. And oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Old habits. Old habits. Yes. Old habits die hard. And she's just such a delightful child because she's a social and she knows how to talk to adults. Yes. Well, she's been doing that most of her life. I wish she would talk to children or people her own age. No, she, she rather, she rather like to talk to older people. Um, they, they did their something called senior mayhem where the seniors wake up early and they wait at the school for the rest of the classmates to arrive and then they welcome them. So of, of the 72, 73 kids in the class, 60 of them spent the night together and then woke up and welcomed the rest of the school. So I'm glad oh, she's doing all the things. Oh, yeah. We well, want- se- senior year, you'll always remember all that stuff. She does. So, yeah, it's special. It's it just it's just one of those magical times. Um, If you are interested in finding out more about St. Louis Theater Companies, they're doing they're not doing a theater crawl like they have done years past, but it's still sponsored by the St. Louis Public Radio. And it's called the St. Louis Theater Showcase. And it's going to be August 27th and 28th at the Public Media Commons right there by their umsel's station right in midtown oh by and, it's between channel nine and kwmu right so they're going to be doing they each get a half hour hmm. and they'll be doing uh scenes from upcoming shows or scenes from works they've done but it is a uh, opportunity to see some of the local theater groups so that's cool. And then one of the more unusual theater festivals, St. Louis Fringe Festival continues this week. And this is always out there stuff. And yeah. uh, not only do they have live performances under the big top in the Grand Center, mm-hmm. but they also have virtual performances. So if you want to find out more about what's going on at the St. Louis Fringe Festival, check that out. And uh, speaking of anniversaries, and I'm sure you all have seen this movie, Stripes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Stripes holds up. People only remember the first half of Stripes. The second half of Stripes is a mess. I know, but it introduced Bill Murray as a as a movie star who could carry a whole picture. And it was Ivan Reitman, director pre-Ghostbusters. And it was Harold Ramis who wrote the script and starred in it and uh uh also and then it introduced to me john candy because he was just coming out of second city Mm -hmm. and and then warren warren oates is just so great as the uh officer and everybody remembers the lighten up francis yes and so it is back in the theaters uh, August 29th and September 2nd as a fathom event for its 30th for its 40th anniversary. Oh my gosh. 40 years. It's wow. A fun movie. And I'm I hope you're taking your your daughter to that, Carl, because 
probably. We'll probably yeah. see that. She, yeah, she's she's trying to find uh, more female centric movies, including uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and which is I said, a wonderful. Oh, let's watch Carrie. That's very female empowerment. And she wow. said, <laughs> wow. <laughs> "We're we're we're trying to get there." Well, you know, the musical Carrie, speaking mm -hmm. of theatrical adaptations, uh, they went more towards bullying, a uh, message about bullying. And so that musical resonates. I have not seen the musical, but I have heard good things about it because some of the local high schools, Gateway Center for the Performing Arts, uh, which is a, um, a local group that deals with teenagers, that's incredible like they put on shows that you would think adults did and uh, they've done it with great acclaim so interesting about that but no it's fun to teach isn't it fun like I, I remember my boys you know we would watch everything one summer when AFL when AFI American mm -hmm. Film Institute came out with their hundred greatest American movies right Tim got the poster at Blockbuster with all hundred movies and he checked them off good and he that whole summer he watched everything that he possibly couldn't have seen before which gave him this knowledge of great American cinema which you can't I mean you can't duplicate that that was just no great. And so in all his film classes, he seemed to know more about the classics than, than other kids, which I always thought was a, you know, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know, and so it's a special bond when you share favorite films with kids. Yes. Yeah, I watched 2001 with my son, who was, who was a film major. And uh, he had seen it for the first time and I was able to watch it in the theater with just him at Lindawood. We, you know, I have the key. And uh, so it, it was just kind of for him to watch it and go, oh my gosh. So when he sees Quentin Tarantino or somebody else, he says, oh, I, they got that from that. They got that from that. And then it's nice when they make the connections and they see it for the first time and and you're there with them because their eyes widen and 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 they go wow so yeah i, I like that one of the great joy one of the great joys of being a parent oh another thing the father-son connection was just uh very much front and center at the field of dreams game i don't know if you guys oh, watched yeah, it yeah, yeah. On watched Fox, it. but grown men cried and i teared up and uh, to see costner and the teams come out of the corn Oh, yeah, it was well, it was well done. Yes. And now they're going to have the Cubs and the Reds next year because Major League Baseball built that stadium and they're not going to let it just sit there for one game. No, you know, and well, this was a, this was an experiment. And now they they have experimented and it went very well. It yeah. did. They and it I, I just thought the, the pregame with the narration by James Earl Jones and Costner talking and everything, it was just very magical. Plus, it was a great game. And the yes. Chicago White Sox, Tony La Russa couldn't be there because his uh, brother-in-law died. So he had to go to the funeral. So that's why uh, he wasn't there coaching. But we all know that. But anyway, they're going to make a series out of Fields of Dreams. Somebody's yeah. developing that. I don't know. I don't know if there's enough there to do that. Right. And it's such a magical film. Speaking of watching it, you know, on the big screen, it, it means so much to so many people. 
I don't know how you can duplicate that, but then, you know, Hey, they turned Fargo into a series and yep. they've Several turned little seasons. They've turned Friday night lights. One of the great things now on Netflix, all five seasons are on Netflix. If you, if everybody tells you to watch that show, well, now you can watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, where can we find you on the socials? Uh, well, Facebook, I'm on Facebook a lot. Uh, Instagram a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, that's about it. I'm a, I'm a Facebook guy and, uh, you know, I've been, like I said, traveling around this summer. So, uh, Florida and back. So I've been putting a little bit of that on, on my Facebook. So I have two Facebooks too. I have a, one for my family and then one for professional. So if you see Smart. two, two Peter Carl's is, yeah, it's me. That's why it, they're both you. You yeah. can find me at underscore Carl, the intern on Instagram and Twitter. I'm actually doing a lot more and I'll doing, I'll be doing a lot more once hockey season starts up Lynn. Oh, and you can find me on uh, 97.1 and KMOX throughout the week and weekends. Lynn, where are you? Aha. Uh-huh. I am on KTRS radio every Thursday night after the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman discussing the latest films of the week. And I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times with my colleague Kent Tenchert. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And, and you're on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations. This, yes. Thank you. And yes. this podcast is a uh, uh, available on our website and we have our own facebook page too i am on all the socials so there's nowhere you can't find me and uh yeah and uh we don't have any tweets that you go back eight years and you're gonna you're gonna hate us so speak for yourself i hope so (laughs) peter thank you for being on with us i'm glad i got to spend time with you this time Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. And then the Emmys are uh, September 19th. So we know that you have a lot to talk about there. So best wishes on the school year. And I yes. look forward to seeing your students work. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for having me. Great time. Be All right. safe, everyone. Yeah, stay safe. Be well. Take Bye. care. Long.